Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we are joined by Charlie and Gary of Muscadine Bloodline. Now, they formed back in 2015 after meeting as they were kind of taking their own paths towards a career in music. They formed, and since that time, they have been on a path of creating a career in music on their own as independent artists. Last year, they released their debut album, and they're already set to release their sophomore record in February of 2022. We had a great time talking about their journey, how they formed the band, and also their journey before that when they were young and the different high school and college bands that led them to each other. So please enjoy our conversation with Charlie and Gary of Muscadine Bloodline. You've released EPs in the past, but when it comes to a record, how different was that in not only releasing it as a full project, but just crafting it during the process leading up and picking the songs and making sure you're telling a story within the album and all of that work that goes into it. I would say the biggest difference is like, you should have more creative freedom to get a little more out there and like kind of show, like when you're putting out a four song EP, there's no really album cuts. And so it's like, and those are like, that's what we like records for is because you get, you know, I feel like with singles and EPs, it's like, okay, well, let's put our best foot forward and just put up, you know, the stuff that we feel is going to be, you know, the fastballs down the middle and you don't get to have, whether it's, you know, you know, album cut. Exactly. Right. That's awesome. And now we do have new music to talk about, but on Country Music Made Me, we like to follow the journey a bit and talk about the past and, and how this journey has gone and how you've gotten to here. Gary, you lost your grandmother, Ruby, this year. And I saw that you posted about what she meant for your musical career when you were younger. And so talk about how she inspired you when you were younger. And if you would be here, do you think, without that uh, push that she gave you when you were young? Yeah, I mean, honestly, at the time, you know, she was kind of more of a thorn in my side than anything. Uh, She kind of was the one who was always on me about (laughs) every time she'd come into town. uh, She was a she was a concert pianist and, uh, you know, always played in church and was very like new music theory. And, you know, so she always wanted my foundation to be educational. And like she was the kind of the grandmother who didn't want you watching a lot of TV or playing video games and you know, her idea of fun is going to like a, a Civil War museum or, you know, something that's, you know, going to a classical guitar, you know, concert that as an eight-year-old you fall asleep in. Halfway right. But it's like, you know, she was just always kind of on me to make sure like I was on like the fundamentals and I always knew like I had to be on my game when grandma come to town because like I had to show her that I was learning something. But uh, no, she was she was very important with that. She was the one that was really just kind of, you know, pushing me to <laughs> she just was like I come from a family of just athletics. That's all it is. It's oh, OK. My mom and dad and my brother, they don't play music or anything. So when I latched on to that at a young age, she was like, OK, I got to keep him in this fold. So, you know, he's not just playing baseball and, you know, he's, he's got a, another thing he can do besides, you know, playing sports. 
And so what did she think all the way along the way? And as you became more successful and as this became your career, what did she think about that then? Uh, I mean, yeah, she was always like a champion. She was honestly at, at base level. She, she was just, if, if I was happy chasing something and just working hard, that's all she could ask for. And so, uh, I mean, that's Charlie and I, both of our parents like that, you know, all of our families are very supportive of what we do and, you know, we don't come from like money or anything like that. My parents are like, well, and Charlie's as well, if you want to go do something, you just got to go sure figure it out. Yeah. And so that's literally like at baseline, what we're still doing today is just, just waking just up every day and trying to figure it out and keep moving forward. That's awesome. And Charlie, for you, I believe one of the turning points was at the age of 14 on your birthday, your mom and grandma gave you a guitar. Talk about that experience. Was that a moment that sort of kickstarted your love for music and chasing a career in it? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's kind of interesting. Both of our grandmothers kind of were like these little figures, you know, pushing us in the right direction. But no, honestly, I mean, I had some friends that, that played guitar and actually some of my sister's friends were like in bands and stuff like that. And I always thought that that was so cool. And I just looked up at them for like playing on these, these stages and stuff like that. And so that was the driving force of me wanting to learn how to play guitar. I, I could sing. I was always in choir and I always knew that I could sing. And then the guitar, the, the guitar, you know, when that enters, it, you start realizing there's more of like an, entertainment value to it than just like being in a choir or something like that being the guy at the campfire like it's pretty cool you know like everybody loves everybody loves to sing popular songs and I think that was an outlet for me to realize like how much how much entertainment value that is and, it, and I did start growing that little bit of love for performing for five to ten people you know around a campfire or at a talent show or something like that so yeah getting that guitar was pretty pretty special and pretty influential you know who knows if I would have even gotten one, if, if my parents and or my mom and my grandmother didn't see how much I looked up to these other musicians around me. Right. And as far as songwriting goes, when did that start to enter the picture for both of you and that love of writing? Uh, I would say for me, pretty, you know, sometime in high school, I don't know, like once I feel like I could be wrong and Charlie might have differently, but like, I feel like as a musician, if your aspirations are to be a singer or a performer or an artist, like there comes this kind of thing where you're like, man, I feel like, like I got an itch to create something, not just playing a song that's, you know, that I love or, you know, playing, you know, all these songs that my friends love around a campfire or at a cover gig. And I feel like there's a yearning of all artists to at some point be like, man, I need to write what's my story. And I would say really, I started, you know, hitting the ground running songwriting a lot, kind of like towards the beginning of my college career. And uh, that's where I kind of really found out. I was like, man, like, if anything, I don't know if I'll be a performer or anything. I just want to write. I love the creation and, and making records is bar none my favorite part of being a musician. Like, those are the things, like, everything else is, like, an awesome thing around it. Like, the shows are fun to do and stuff, but, like, if I could lock in a studio and just create every day from nine to five, like that's, that's what I love. And so, uh, but yeah, songwriting for me, it, you know, it just kind of, I just, you know, you write, you know, a hundred really sucky songs and you finally write a half decent one. And then you're like, Oh, it's just a repetition thing. And, and then, you know, honestly, as we're growing and we're aging and our lives change and you kind of start feeling like, okay, well, I got, I got, enough life I've lived where I can write a story and 
now we're just writing the most honest things we possibly can. We're just, you know, even if it's a, you know, we're just writing a story about somebody or making a character or making it a short story or, you know, Hey, here's something that's happened in my life at some point that, you know, I'd like to talk about, or, Hey, how do we spend this love song or this breakup, this, you know, heartache song into, uh, you know, we were talking about this actually the other day. It's like, man, there's really only like six or seven topics in country music that you can really talk about. <laughs> right. Kind of spin it in a, in a creative way that no one else has done before. And so like, that's always kind of the fun part of like putting those puzzle pieces together to create it. But yeah, I'd say, and I'd answer that really long, but I'd say probably like 19 is when I really started like, okay, songwriting is something I love. And Gary, we have to talk about Gary Stanton and the Shady Sigs, which <laughs> I think turned into something sweet. Yes, dude, man, you've gone way back. Yeah, so uh, we were called the Shady Sigs. So I was in this band. Wow, that's so weird. that you. I feel like I'm on like a Narbar interview right now. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, so I was in a fraternity uh, that was Sig Up, and then I, I started a band with two other guys that was in – one was in another fraternity called Sigma Chi and one was in one called Sigma Nu. So we were just like, all right, we got, what's the it, Sigs? And we were just like, all right, we'll just we'll do like just the shady Sigs. And then once we were like, okay, we can't be called that. That like, that sounds like a weed reference or like some just, you know, I don't know what it sounds like, but it doesn't sound like a band name. And yeah. uh, I don't know really if something sweet really did either, but you know, you know, that's just being in a college cover band and that sort of thing. That's called figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. But yeah, it's fun time of, of my life. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of that in Charlie, you know, he had his own band he was playing with too before. And a lot of the, you know, getting those reps playing as a full band comes from those bar gigs were so crucial and important. And you thought you were so good. And like, then, and then like, if I could go back and probably watch a show, one of those and be like, dude, how bad probably was this? Right. But at the time you feel like a rock star. Yeah. Absolutely. And then what age were you guys when you met up we used to play this venue and we still do we're not doing it this year but we always play an end of the year show in our hometown of mobile alabama and there's a venue there called uh, soul kitchen and actually charlie and i met at that venue the night i opened for him uh always kind of knew of each other just because we were both from mobile and it's not a huge huge place but we just never crossed paths and uh yeah, so that was – golly, I was – I think it was in my freshman year of college. So I was, in, I was probably 19, and Charlie's a year older than I am. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, Charlie was fresh into, like, the gig and stuff, too. I don't know how many full band shows I mean, he played. Was maybe five or six. Yeah. You know? It was and green, so, green. So, it was uh, – yeah, it was a pretty, you know, influential night. For, even just really for us to just finally meet and, you know, uh, and then we just kind of stayed in touch for the two or three years after that. Like, I finished college and just kind of – you know, just the, through social media, and then we'd run into each other. Like, he'd, we'd have that show every year, and he'd come ask me to play. And then once I had the band in Hattiesburg, he came over there a few times and was playing with us. And just, I don't know, just always kind of kept each other. Like, acquaintances, you know. Like, yeah. I wouldn't say we were, like, even really tight. But yeah. we just always knew each other and kept in touch. We were just music buddies, you know. Right. You meet so many people over the years that I consider, like, music buddies. And I've got thousands of them now. But it's like – that's pretty much what Gary and I were at, at the time over the years. Mm -hmm. And so over those two or three years, when you're sort of staying connected, were you both at that point chasing a career in music yet, or was it still just a fun thing to do in college? I mean, when we first met for me, like I was just playing to play, you know, I just, 
I didn't really see I mean, I, I think when I started playing music, like I was like, oh, that'd be cool to be a superstar or whatever. But, you know, that naive like thought everybody has. But I, I didn't see much more happening than just like playing and, and playing covers. And just it wasn't until three or four years into my solo career, if you want to call it that, to where I started realizing like, OK, I need to start putting out my own music if I want to progress in this thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say for me, uh I just, I just knew I wanted to do music in some facet. Uh, I went to school. I did, there's a, uh, it was called entertainment uh, industry management. And basically it was just, that was the degree I had. And it's basically, I don't know. I don't even know what to compare it to, but it's, it's basically it's like music business, yeah, uh, music yeah. business kind of thing. And it's, I'm not like knocking the program, but it's this, it's not in Nashville. It's not like going to Belmont or going to, you know, so jewel yards or what, whatever you, you know you want to do it's in south right. mississippi and there's not really much of an industry there anyways but uh kind of hard to plug right, right. In, so yeah. i just knew that like i wanted to move to nashville and i wanted to be in music whether that was on the management side on you know just writing or what it was i, I just knew i wanted to be involved in it in some facet and so basically it's kind of cool now because now the way we run our business being an independent band and we're so hands-on with everything, like we get to do every part of that, which is kind of can be cool sometimes. And sometimes it really sucks, you know? And so it's just like, you know, it's just a, it's a part of it, but you know, just, uh, yeah, I, I would say I've always, you know, from a young age, like, I don't know. I feel like you, once you have people that besides like your family that tell you you're good at something or like, you know, going to the party on a Friday night in high school and you're the guy playing guitar and singing and people think you're good, you know, and, it, and it's like, okay, well, here's one thing I found that I'm pretty good at. And like, maybe I should just kind of chase this because this is kind of my identity. And exactly. so I think that happens too with a lot of people's careers, I guess, you know, even if it's with whatever, you know, you start realizing you're decent at something and whether it was your passion your whole life or not, you start yeah. chasing that rabbit a little bit and you start catching it a little faster than what you thought you were catching other things. Yeah. So, I mean, really from high school, I mean, I probably for Charlie as well, you know, we both went to college and didn't know what was going to happen. But in, I feel like in the back of our heads, we'd be like, Oh, this is something I would love to chase. Don't know how we're going to get there, but exactly. So. Yeah. And in 2014, you had a video online singing thunder by Sunday best. And you were sitting on the porch singing that now was that one of the, first clips of you guys when you came together honestly it's pretty possibly yeah it could have been so. I, I remember you know it was before i would even say it's before we were like all right we're gonna officially do this you know but we were still hanging out a lot and playing these cover gigs here and there and and gary had a camera you know and so all, all like like you said all we knew how to do was just just put out, just sing. And so we yeah. just started recording it with his camera and, and taking some pictures here and there. And, and it was before like iPhones were like really nice. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's like, okay, well let's just do something. And honestly, there was kind of a, I feel like there was a year and a half time space where I was like, I was about to graduate and Charlie and I had gotten like, I feel like way more close at that point And we kind of knew what we, each other was up to. And then Honestly, I just started sitting in with Charlie and playing some gigs. Like we started getting up to write and that kind of thing. No intentions of ever this. Right. And because uh, well, I don't even remember the spot I was at. Like I was sitting at this bar talking to my buddy and he he was like one of my mentors. And he was like, he's like, man, you need to get serious about like your own music. 
and like one of the only guys besides him that wrote music was Gary. And so I, I remember hitting him up that recent, like the next day or whatever. And we planned that right or whatever. We, he was like, I'll come up to Auburn, you know, and we'll hang out. And that, that I would say was like the accidental, you know, inception of Muscadine Bloodline before we knew it. But like, that was the happenstance. I think that that evening, you know, Gary sat in, I was like, we wrote a song or two or whatever. And we, I was like, well, just come play with me tonight. We'll figure it out. Like I just threw it, you know? Yeah. And, and he showed up with me and we had a few beers and just sang and, and just had this weird chemistry. And honestly, the, the rest was kind of history from there. We just enjoyed playing with each other and we were making a little bit of money. Yeah. Made it really convenient. And well, then we were also, Charlie had already been running the roads for a few years. And so we were kind of like, he was like, man, it's just nice to have a buddy out here doing yeah. this with me. <laughs> right. So it's, so, uh, we did that for like a year and a half. And kind of at that point, I moved to Nashville. And then I, you know, Charlie, I moved up to Nashville in 2015. Yeah. Uh, May, the, the like probably a couple weeks after I graduated. Okay. And I saved up some money and I was like, okay. I can live for a year, you know, get by on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and focus on this for a year. And I give it a year and say I tried and I got a degree. I'll figure it out. Right. And I think Charlie, like Charlie and I were still playing in the, on the weekends and I was coming back from, from Nashville to Auburn to Mobile and we were just palling around and he'd come up there and stay with me. And he, we were getting in the same writing circles. And then he moved up in October of that year and we shared a room for about, I want to say three or four months. And, uh, then honestly, in that time, we were like, dude, let's just like go in the studio. We'll try to record something. And one of those songs happened to be Porchwing Angel. And it was just like, okay, we got these three songs. We don't have a band name. We need to come up with a band name and, you know, do it. And we just pulled the trigger in December of 2015. And then here we are, I you think, know. I think the motto of our career is just figure it out. You right, know? Yeah. Like you said earlier, we've been saying that the whole time. It's like, it just kind of happened, man. Yeah. You know, we didn't have this grand plan. We just kind of kept making music and yeah. kept recording it and videoing it. And, yeah. and here we are. But last, like you literally yesterday or two days ago was yeah. seven years that we started. And so wow. Six years. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's crazy it to think it that, you know, I've, we've been doing this for six years and one that we have such a great relationship too, and, and don't want to kill each other and, and, and that sort of thing. It's like, it's really awesome when you can find that in a, in a way that it works. And I was going to ask, like it flies by so quickly. And so have you ever had that thought of like making it or has it always just felt like it, things roll into things and you're still just flying by the seat of your pants and stuff's just happening. Yeah. It really is that. It does. Man. Yeah, it like, does feel like that. Like it, it really, it really is that to where it's like, I mean, sometimes I, it's kind of funny. Charlie's Charlie's half glass full, and I'm always glass half empty. And, uh, <laughs> so it's kind of like a lot of times when you get caught up in this thing and you just keep pushing, you don't really look back and be like, "Dang, you've done some really yeah. cool things." And it's easy to get caught up and not celebrate the little victories here and there. You know, it's a hard yeah. to weigh your success. You know, because I sometimes I still find us in the mindset we're still in 2015, just starting. <laughs> Come on, we gotta and go. And you got, you know, three shows and, you know, states that you have no families in coming up this week that are probably all going to sell out. And it's like, this is really cool. A thousand people want to come see us in Columbus, Ohio. This is sick. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's cool to say you've built something and like people care enough to where they're spending their hard-earned money to come watch you. And 2020 
should have been a time to relax and reflect on that. But I mean, you guys pumped out a ton of music. You had a couple of work tapes. Um, you had the debut album. You yeah. had another EP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> turn back time. You yeah. had you had boys. So I mean, and Gary, you were pumping out demos on your social media. Yeah, just like crazy. So did you take some time to reflect or was it still just wheels going? What can we do to keep I mean, moving? We, we had a lot of downtime. You know, we, we made it look a lot better than it was. But <laughs> we, I mean, we were we were just forced into this situation to where we had this this meeting with our team and Gary, you know, and, and us. And we we're just like, all right, guys, like towards off the table, you know, so like what what can we do? to keep the ball rolling. And the, the only thing that we could physically control was our music, you know, and we could go in and record anytime and whatever, we'll wear a mask, who, whatever we got to do, you know? And so that's, that's what we did. We even recorded some on our iPhone. We did yeah. those quarantine work tapes. And, and that was just the, that was just, just the moral of it all. We just kind of, we're like, Hey, let's just keep controlling what we can control. And this is the only way we're going to be able to make money. So let's do it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was the first time in our career we felt like being an independent artist was was beneficial because we weren't in a, on a t- anyone's timetable but our own. So it's like what we want to do with this time is really up to us. And so, you know, why we have other friends that were in label situations that were like, well, we don't have touring now, and like I don't have this record, you know, done or whatever. It's kind of like we just had that much more of a advantage because we were like, okay, well, let's just put out this record. Let's do, you know, let's Good do cut. these fun, let's creative things. Yeah. And like, like you said, just control what you control. And, you know, and it was honestly beneficial for us because we came back and the, the touring was even more exciting, that much yeah. better. And the, you know, kind of pumping out, just staying, you know how it is that today's age, you're just trying to stay relevant and be yeah. in faces all the time. It's like, well, the best way for us to do that is just put out music right now. If we can't go, give them a show and too, like i mean even talking about going back to like celebrating those little victories you know it's like overall the songs that we put out last year you know like i would say four or five of them have catapulted themselves to the top 10 of our songs like ever so it's just cool to see that even though it, when you feel like you're just filling space and time like it all matters you're all working yeah. towards something And with the quarantine work tapes, especially, and Gary, you sharing your demos online, like I talked to a lot of artists where there's anxiety tied to releasing music because they want it to be perfect. And so for you guys basically recording your music on your iPhone and throwing it out there and Gary, you sharing all these demos, you must be pretty confident within your music to be putting out stuff that that is that raw. Well, I think too, it's like our brand is very tangible and it's very person to person. Like you get on social media and you, you send a comment or you send a message, you're talking to Charlie and I, and like our fan base knows that. And so like, honestly, all you can do is just be honest and authentic. And like, if you like, we felt like the songs were good enough to be like, Hey, like, let's just swing the bat, you know, just give them something, you know, it's not like, you know, even if it's, that's the benefit of putting out a lot of music. It's like, okay, well, we don't have to, you know, this doesn't have to be 100% right or whatever, but let's just try right here. We might strike strike gold. I mean, that's yeah. what happened with Porch Ring Angel, honestly. Like, yeah, we've, we've never been so caught up in the quality, especially in the beginning of our career. You know, we, we were able to get past that mental block that a lot of artists get hung up on. I mean, and, I, and I'm not saying this is right for everybody, but it was right for us because 
we just kept feeding the world or the beast, if you want. And we just kept feeding the beast and didn't worry so much about, about the quality just because we knew that the, if it gets in the right person's hands, you know, then that's, that's all that matters. And, and, and people, people love it. They gravitated toward it because it wasn't so clean and polished and yeah. clean as a whistle. You know, there's something, something to be said about that, about the raw and all authenticness, authenticity of it. And, and honestly, there's always like context that goes with it. Like we put that out in the time where Charlie and I couldn't even get up. Like this is when we thought, you know, if you get COVID, like if we thought it was the black plague, like if we thought if someone was getting it, you were going to die. And right. so like, there was like, like the first couple months of you the know, craze, like, you know, was scared. that first eight weeks, like I didn't see Charlie one time. And yeah. so we were like, okay, well, how can we be in a business, do this? And we were just like, dude, well, what if we just like recorded some iPhone work tapes in our closets on our iPhones and just put them out there? And, it, and it's like, no one else is putting music out. So why not us? You know, so they're all doing Instagram lives and all this thing. It's like, why don't we give them something that like can they can, they can play, play, you know, over and over. And also too, it's like, we can help get by in this time. Right. And with the new music, you released so much in 2020, but especially with the new single Dispatch to 16th Avenue. Gary, I saw you had posted a clip of that demo back in December of last year. And yeah. so with this new album, where has it sort of come from? Was it all done within sort of 2020 and 2021? Or is there stuff that's even older than that that you brought back? There's one song on the whole record that we didn't write at least over the pandemic. Oh, okay. Um, so like all of it is, is relevant. And honestly, like, I mean, I think every artist says like, Hey, this is, you know, this next project is like the best, best. we've done. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, it's the first time we're like, you know, we've gone through, there's a, there's a system how like things are quote unquote supposed to be done in Nashville. And we've kind of managed to exist outside of that system. And we've honestly, we towed the line and played with it. And then, also just kind of had an epiphany where like, man, like what's the music we want to put out? What's, what's the stuff it, like, let's not worry about like, this is fit a radio format. Is this whatever? It's like, let's just go in and play and write what we want to write. And so honestly, once we started that, like the songs that we feel just got better because we're writing for a purpose and not just writing to write a hit song or whatever. So it's like, and then that's what kind of like goes it, into it. It makes it that much more authentic. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, that song is just kind of our story. It's just like we, you know, it's it's kind of this, you know, kind of parallel of a, a guy who, like, use it as, like, a homicide reference of, like, this guy goes moves to Nashville and, you know, use all these, you know, different, you know, police words, so to speak, like, you know, dispatch, you know, there's another man down, suspects, a record man, hell-bent on changing the sound. It's like, so it's kind of just, like, this cool way to be like, okay, what's our, you know, here's where we kind of stand with this thing. And it's kind of like, this is kind of our, Hey, like we're over here doing our own thing and that's okay. You know, and, and we're kind of like, this we're the happiest we've ever been honestly with our music. And, you know, we're going in to cut the next record, you know, coming this before we're going to start this one before this one even comes out, which oh, is wow. so mind blowing to us too. But it's like, you know, honestly, just the music is to us, it's just gotten so much more authentic and real and there's no, it's no whole bar. It's kind of like, hey, we're just doing what what we feel like What's doing, exactly. and and it's uh, you know, it's kind of an ode to like we're taking it back to the roots. It's not, it's all very pretty traditional, and uh, how how we do it, and we kind of went back to, man, well, what are we listening to in the car, and what are we, you know, 
listening to when we go tour. It's the old 90s country. It's the 70s and it's the outlaw movement. It's all that. And it's like there's kind of a void. I feel like that isn't being filled in country music a lot of times. And like that stuff's becoming kind of cool again, which is I think it's funny how things are cyclical like that. But yeah, you know, we just kind of like, man, this is just like where we feel like we want to play and stuff. And we don't regret anything like we've done in the past. It's got us here today, but it just took us six years to find who we really are. And so that movement forward in finding yourself, did that change the recording process in the studio for this album then? Yeah, it absolutely did. Uh, This is the first record that our touring band is the band playing on the record. Oh, okay. That's not really a common thing that happens in Nashville. Yeah. We were just kind of like, man, these guys are the guys that we play with every night. They're all incredible players. It's like, it's going to make it be its own thing too. It just be that much more authentic and be able to be replicated on the road, just like it sounds on the record. And so it's the biggest thing we take pride in is our, is our live show. And uh, that's kind of like, we, we personally feel, and this is not like an ego thing, but it's like, if we, can get you to the, if we can get you to the live show, you'll come back. And so like, that's, that's the goal. And uh, that's uh yeah, I'd, I'd say that is, is one of the main things that's the different about this. And honestly, just like we, we went back to doing records with the guy we started with, uh, Ryan Humans. Uh, he's one of our good buddies and helps co-produce and engineer our records. And he's got an awesome studio called the Amber Sound that's basically in his basement. Uh, and it's like we just feel comfortable there. And we kind of have now started to, like, take our time on that. Like, with this next record, you know, it's going to take us from – you know, January to April to finish this thing. And it's like, we've, we've used to been going in and you set aside a week and you go in and cut it real quick. And it's like, man, why are we rushing the part that means the most? And so it's like, a lot of times we forget that in Nashville because it moves so quick. And it's yeah. like, we need to start worrying more so about, I feel like if the music is so good, people will eventually get it. Like, it'll, it'll just, it just takes time to get there. And that's, that's really kind of how we've lived. It's just kind of like, Hey, it's not our time yet. We're not the ones who are in the spotlight. We're just going to keep our head down, just keep working and we're going to do it. And they'll eventually come across it one of these days. And that's okay if it takes them 15 years to do it. And so at this point in your careers, when you are writing, when you are going into the studio, do you find that it's easier to work together or or as you grow and your influences maybe change it's a different experience in the studio and maybe things don't mesh as well as they did in the past or how does your relationship how has it flowed through the years within the studio I think I think honestly we're lucky that we have so many of the similar interests you know I mean we've never I would say that one thing we've never butted heads on was is like like producing music or like creatively you know we 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 see very eye to eye on the music and and that's lucky I guess you know I mean you hear all those old stories about like the Eagles and the Beatles and all this stuff and how they all I mean it would be so hard with like five people or four people you know and luckily it's like if Gary and I like it that's all that matters so that's one advantage that we have yeah it's I mean it's a it's a cool thing because like you know our kind of like Charlie's the singer, like, of, of the group, and I'm more of, like, the – he he calls it the introverted extrovert who, like, I love the songwriting and He's the production. He's an introvert in disguise, you know. And, <laughs> and that sort of thing. And, like, so it's kind of funny. Like, Charlie it's, – it's awesome because Charlie puts a lot of trust in me to, like – he's like, hey, dude, like, however you feel, you know, this kind of thing or whatever. Because I, I spend my mind on that stuff 
way too much. But uh, <laughs> well, that's honestly, I mean, full disclosure, like Gary's one of his biggest strong suit is producing, you know, like I, I help when I can, but like, you know, Gary's leading the ship. I would even say he's driving, you know, in the studio, you know, and I, tr like I said, I trust him with my life, especially when it comes down to this music stuff. And, and I'm such a fan of, of Gary and, and how he does his stuff. Like, it's so easy for me to get behind. And, and, and obviously like if I, if I, if I ever hear something, I'm like, Oh, let's try, let's try this. And yeah. He always is like, yeah, let's try that. You know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like the even flow has gotten better because one, we're, we're both really involved in the writing process. So, so like we're never putting out music that, you know, neither of us like, and sometimes like, you know, like on our last record, there was a few songs, like we didn't write together that made on it. And, it, and right. it's like, like a song like See You Tomorrow. I didn't write on that song, but I knew that song was great. So it's like, let's go in and make it a Muscadine Bloodline song. Like, let's, you know, those kind of things happen. And so, but as we've gotten older and we realize our writing process is more of like, man, it's just me and Charlie that really matter. And so like, you know, you get into town, you start just writing all the time just to write and kind of like, we just write with the purpose of literally writing Muscadine Bloodline songs. I don't really have any aspirations of getting, getting a goal of a songwriting, you know, you know, getting cut or anything like that. It's just kind of like, man, in that right, we're kind of selfish to where it's like, we just want to write Muscadine Bloodline songs. So the best way you're going to get a Muscadine Bloodline song is Charlie and I together. And try <laughs> so like, you know, a lot of this, you know, some of this record, you know, was just, you know, Charlie and I, and then some of it was, we got a, you know, three or four buddies that we really write with if we're going right. to co-write. And a lot of this record we're about to work on is honestly just me, Charlie and Ryan. And, and it's just kind of like, hey, let's, we know what we want to do. And so it's like sometimes getting that extra person in there that maybe like is trying to spin it to a different agenda where it's like, okay, well, we could pitch this song to so-and-so or this could be a hit. It's like, no, let's just write Muscadine Bloodline. It's for, all, it's for us. Yeah. We ain't giving it to We ain't giving it away. <laughs> right. So it's like that way. And honestly, too, we've, I feel like we've written our best songs in this past couple of years. And this is the least amount of writing we've ever done. And, oh, wow. Uh, it's kind of cool because like now we can take a break step, you know, push that aside for a couple months and then come back to the drawing board. And it's like, Hey, here was a title I was working on. Here's this melody, like these kind of things. And then we, we kind of do them in these like little sprint campaigns and write, you know, six or seven songs in a couple of weeks. And then it's like, okay, let's, you know, go live life a little bit more, you know, you know, kind of experience some things and then come back to it. And honestly, it's been the best. And I feel like we've gotten the most interesting you know, different things like, you know, I'm, it's kind of crazy. We're talking about writing for um, the next record before this one comes out. And it's like, but it's just like, we're even that, that's how we got to live. And we're just like, so excited for even the next thing, you know, so. We just, ironically too, just to tell you how far ahead we are of everybody, we just sent a text of our calendar for next year, all the way to Christmas to, to our band, like saying, here's when we're touring, here's when we're not, just put it in your calendar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is very strange living this far ahead, but it's, it makes our life a lot easier yeah. if we do. Yeah, well, it seems like it's going to be busy because February 4th, the new album comes out and you'll have everything that comes along with that. You're talking about jumping into the studio to record your next album around that time. And then I imagine that touring will be a big thing as we head into March, April and the rest of the year. So, I mean, are you guys ever going to slow down? I mean, it's kind of hard to, yeah. man. You just have a certain amount of time you can you can get up and get after this thing. And we live in a very unique life and job and it's like you know you're only going to get as far as you let yourself get so i mean we try to grind it out and do as best we can and work hard i will say though is that as 
we learned a, a really good lesson from COVID. It's kind of like, man, like as much as this is our identity, we do have our own personal lives. And uh, totally. we've gotten better at like, I mean, we're both married. And so like. We both have separate interests too. Like we yeah. both want to go do separate things. Yeah. Like I love golfing. Gary loves turkey hunting. It's yeah. Like, it's nice to have a little time to do those things too, you know? And so that's, it's another thing. And it, it creates a healthy, healthy workflow. And honestly, next year we're going to be touring the least amount in a year that we've ever had, but it's kind of like, we've always played 120 plus shows a year. And it's kind of like, we're at a point now, which is awesome where we don't have to play just to play to keep, keep, you know, the ball running or keep, you know, money coming into the, We're making money on the music side and that sort of thing. So now it's time we can be a little more strategic with our time to where it's like we have time to hop on things like this with you and like, you know, have distribution for a record and a, a publicist and, you know, a digital marketing team, like all these little pieces that help, you know, move this ship along as it gets bigger and bigger. For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on everything, all the success that you've been able to build for yourselves. That's the key word for yourselves doing this on your own. It's uh, 64 million streams on Spotify alone last year. And I was looking at Porsche Swing Angel and it's almost at 50 million on Spotify, right? I looked at that number. I'm like, is that million? Like that's yeah, crazy. It's, it's just almost a 70 million on all platforms. So it's, 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 I don't know, man, like it's hard. We can't explain it either. You know, it's just, we're very fortunate and, and very blessed to just have the fan base we do and, and have the, the opportunities and, and stuff like that, man. It's, it's, we don't take it for granted. It's a, it's a very special thing and it's, it's something that not everybody gets to experience. Yeah, for sure. Well, congratulations. Good luck next year on everything that you have happening. We'll look forward to the album Dispatch to 16th Avenue coming out February 4th and then a new album. I don't know if it'll be before the end of 2022. Yeah. Thank you once again so much for listening. And thank you to Charlie and Gary for stopping by and sharing their story. Be sure to check out Muscadine Bloodline's new album, Dispatch to 16th Avenue on February 4th. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. And please come on back each and every week for new and exciting conversations with your favorite country music artists. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm -hmm.